Hi, I'm Bill the Counselor. Welcome to The Gentle Podcast, a place to learn new skills to repair wounded relationships and enrich great relationships. I'm a licensed professional counselor with over 40 years experience as a counselor and over 40 years experience being married. If you want to learn how to repair broken relationships, recover from damaging relationships, build new healthy relationships, or to enrich an existing relationship, this is the podcast for you. Hi, Bill the Counselor here, your host for another relationship coaching session that I hope will help you to repair, build, or enrich your couple relationship skills just in time for Valentine's Day. Today I'm going to continue the series on my 3x6 relationship model with the second list of items that I call the six intimacies. I'll uh, be focusing on couple relationships, but however, you know, these skills will be very, very helpful for any relationship in your life to help make it healthier. So, the 3x6 model. Uh, The 3x6 model is uh, relational skill sets three different relational skill sets. Uh, the, the three different skill sets are the six positive practices, and those are to help us keep a balanced personal, mental, and behavioral health outlook on life. The six intimacies, which I'm going to be talking about today, uh, the six intimacies are for producing a balanced, positive adult relationship that is secure, serene, and satisfying. Sounds pretty good, huh? Yeah. And then the last uh, uh, list of six, uh, which I'll be doing in the next episode, are the six autonomies. And they exist to help us balance the beautiful but intense and sometimes tiring six intimacies. Remember that all three of these lists of six items work together to help us keep our healthy psychological balance so that we can maintain and enrich the most important relationships of our lives. I don't know about you, but I can't think of anything more important in my life than my relationships, right? I mean, after all, why is it that you work so hard? Why do you have a career? Uh, Certainly for the satisfaction of doing something productive in our life, uh, hopefully something that you really enjoy doing. That's a miracle when that happens, isn't it? That you can uh, make your living doing something you really, really enjoy. And that's great if you enjoy your career or you enjoy your job, but what's the reason why you work so hard, right? I think it was Socrates who said, the only reason to work is so we don't have to work. You know, in other words, I don't have time off so that I can rest so I can work harder. I work really hard so I can have the resources and time off to spend it with the people I love. When you come right down to it, just about everything we do in life is because of our relationships. Unfortunately, you know, sometimes we get so caught up in our work and in our career, the things that we have to do, our chore lists, that we begin to ignore our relationships. And on top of that, you know, lots of people really don't have a good idea how to carry out healthy relationship. If you learned your uh, relationship skills from maybe watching uh, the adults when you were growing up, well, 
that could range from anywhere from pretty good to really, really ill. And uh, if that's the kind of models that you grew up with, how are you supposed to carry out a healthy adult relationship, right? Yeah. Most of us inherit our ways of interacting from our family of origin. And as I stated, sometimes those are more or less healthy. So these six intimacies that I'm going to be talking about today are incredibly important to building healthy adult relationship, maintaining healthy adult relationship, uh, and enriching healthy adult relationship. They can even help repair relationships that are kind of a mess. And quite honestly, whenever I have couples who come into my office with couple issues and they want to work on uh, repairing their relationship, when we examine these six intimacies, let me tell you, they're often a mess. They're often a mess, uh, usually because they haven't been uh, well attended to. When people become emotionally reactive, they don't want to engage in these intimacies. And we know that when uh, intimacies begin to fail, so does the relationship. Now, let's take a look at what those six intimacies are that we're going to examine today. They are intellectual, emotional, physical, sexual, spiritual, and difficult. Each of those are different intimacies. Um, and, and I'd like to mention as we begin this process that each of these intimacies builds on the one that's previous. It's kind of like a circle. Unless you have really good intellectual intimacy, you're probably not going to move on and be able to engage in emotional intimacy. And if you don't have emotional intimacy, you probably aren't going to get physical with that person, let alone sexual, right? And without those first four, it's not going to become a very spiritual relationship. And if you have the first five and you're working on them, you'll discover that uh, there's difficulty in that. That's the last intimacy, difficult intimacy. And that brings us back, by the way, to intellectual intimacy again. Because we have to put a lot of thought and preparation in all of them, really, but especially in difficult intimacy. Uh, if we want to be able to ease that emotional reactivity that I talk about that is so very toxic in relationship and blows relationships up. So one by one, let's take a look at these different intimacies. Intellectual intimacy is the ability for a couple to have a mutually satisfying conversation. And it's more about what you don't talk about than what you do talk about. I'll, I'll bet you can recognize in your own relationship that it seems like uh, all you ever talk about are problems or things that need to get done, which I, I guess is a problem. Um, so, you know, with intellectual intimacy and couplehood, uh, there are times when you need to discipline yourself to engage in intellectual intimacy and not talk about things such as money, work, exes, in-laws, children, right? Yeah, well, a lot of people say, Bill, then what the heck are we going to talk about? Well, 
you know, we can we can take that up at some point. Uh, there's lots of th- remember those things that you used to talk about before you had children. Do you remember those things you used to talk about in the first year or so of your relationship? I used to be able to stay up until two or three in the morning, talking about all kinds of things, sharing your ideas and thoughts with each other. How much fun that was! Yeah, where did that all go? Where did that all go? Well, it goes by the wayside because emotional reactivity creeps into our lives. And when we're emotionally reactive, we get very, very busy. We get overwhelmed with stuff. And as the stuff overwhelms us, we begin to neglect these areas of intimacy of our life. So intellectual intimacy, once again, is uh, just the ability to have a mutually satisfying conversation about anything that's not a problem. Yeah. Now, the next one, emotional intimacy. Emotional intimacy is the ability for both people to share themselves, their emotions, at the very deepest level and feel safe doing that, feeling okay doing that, knowing that uh, by sharing their emotion, they're not going to be attacked for that or criticized for that. Now, you may say, well, I would never do that with my partner, and, and I'll, I'll throw right back at you. You want to bet? You want to bet? How often do you, uh, are you in the habit of just disagreeing with your partner, resisting their influence? Yeah, especially if you're on the outs and there's been a lot of emotional reactivity lately. Uh, emotions get kind of cold. They get kind of cold that warmth of the early part of our relationship, that uh, really good feeling of sharing your emotions with the other person, it can kind of get damped down because of emotional reactivity. Yeah. So that's emotional intimacy, the ability to share who you are at the deepest level, your emotions, your thoughts, your dreams, your passions, things that worry you, things that you love with your partner and they are able to share with you. Yeah. So the next intimacy is physical intimacy. And uh, I distinguish this from sexual intimacy. That's why they're both in there. A lot of people, why do you have two in there? Isn't sex physical? Sure, it's physical, but it's a lot more. Sex is a lot more than physical. When I say physical intimacy here, I mean those routine daily signs of affection that we share with the people we love. The little pat-pats, the hand-holding, the head on the shoulder, just the reassuring touch, maybe the hug or the cuddle. And what I mean here is especially that this kind of physical intimacy or physical affection is the type that does not demand to move on to sexual expression. Now, sometimes it does by mutual consent. But in couple relationships where any physical intimacy has to move on to sexual expression, then, you know, there might be a problem with that. People might be feeling pressured uh, into uh, uh, sex when they really don't want to have sex. So physical intimacy, uh, the everyday affection and touch, is really important. Um, Physical intimacy is an important dynamic way of expressing Uh, all kinds of information with the people we love. Uh, Support, 
love, affection, care, yet worry, you know, concern, uh, all kinds of different ways that we can give hugs, right? That convey different things or different kinds of touch. Then sexual intimacy, which may seem obvious to everyone. As a matter of fact, when I say the word intimacy, when I say intimacy, that's what everybody usually thinks of as they go straight to sex. Um, and yeah, it's an intimacy, but it's not the only intimacy. I joke around. I say, hey, if you really like this intimacy, you better be paying attention to the other five. Because if you're not paying attention to the other five, at the very least, uh, your sexual intimacy will get kind of boring and, and not very interesting and kind of shallow. And at worst, there won't be any sexual intimacy happening because the other intimacies are lacking. Now, most folks, uh, when they have sex for the first time, they're a little anxious about it, a little worried about it, uh, and they're excited about it, I would hope, obviously. Uh, but after they have sex the first time, it's kind of like, uh, I think most people kind of go, oh, I got that down. That wasn't brain surgery. Now, I understand that. Uh, might be able to improve on a couple of finer points, but pretty much I have it down. And then they stop their sex education as adults. They just completely stop. That's unfortunate because uh, especially in the context of loving, uh, committed, long-term relationship, you better start learning more and more about your own sexuality and couple sexuality and your partner's sexuality if you want to keep sexuality alive in your relationship. Sad to say, folks, but there, there's a lot of people out there that uh, sex just dies in their long-term sexual relationship. I have couples all the time who say, you know, I haven't had sex with my partner or anybody for five years or more, or we haven't had sex for 10 years in our relationship. And that just breaks my heart uh, because it, it indicates a real, a real disability in the area of not just sexual intimacy, but all intimacy. These people are extremely lonely living inside a relationship that's supposed to be beautiful and enriching to them. It's very sad. So, you know, uh, learning about continuing to learn about uh, sexuality, your own sexuality, your partner's sexuality, and then couple sexuality. And, uh, you know, at some point uh, we'll, we'll probably be uh, talking about that as part of, uh, you know, the series here on uh, healthy couple relationship, going into much more detail about sexuality. Uh, then the next, uh, the next um, intimacy is spiritual intimacy. Now, this can be uh, religious, though it doesn't have to be religious. Uh, um, spiritual intimacy is uh, a feeling that both people have that they are bonded with their partner at a very, very deep level that even goes beyond psychology, you know, and emotionality. And uh, physical, beyond physical bonding. Um, this is what I call maybe what I might term as the, uh, the um, uh, what do I want to say, <laughs> the, the soulmate effect. I tell people that all the time. I don't think you meet your soulmate. I think you meet a potential soulmate. 
And then what you do is maybe spend the next 20 years turning yourself into a soulmate for your partner. And if you're really lucky, your partner does that for you too. Uh, how do you turn yourself into a soulmate? Well, by giving attention to the six intimacies. And uh, the spiritual bond will be felt if these first four intimacies are being properly attended to and maintained. So the, the result of healthy intellectual, emotional, physical, and sexual intimacy for a couple is a spiritual experience of being bonded with each other, that you have a true partner that is completely trustworthy. Yeah. And I, I hope you can see, you know, that each of these, you know, they build on the one that's previous, right? Uh, how, how emotional do you get with somebody that you don't have uh, a basic information exchange with, right? You don't, you, don't, you don't share your emotional life with people you just met that you don't know intellectually or they don't know you, right? So, you know, it starts with intellectual intimacy, moves to emotional intimacy. And if you don't have intellectual emotional intimacy, you're probably not going to have physical intimacy with that person either. That's tantamount just to walk around, you know, walk around the Walmart hugging people, you know, having physical intimacy with people that you don't have an emotional connection or an intellectual connection with. That's a little nuts, right? Yeah. And let me tell you, if you don't have intellectual, emotional, and healthy physical intimacy, what are your chances of having sexual intimacy, right? Pretty slim. Pretty slim. So each of these build on the one previous. And in my book... It's really important to daily, several times a day. My usual prescription is three times a day, minimum, engage in intellectual, emotional, and physical intimacy with your partner. Don't wait for your partner to do this. You go do it. So if both people are doing this, you know, you're going to have a pretty healthy, intimate, and satisfying relationship uh, daily intellectual, emotional, and physical intimacy. I don't include sexual in there because, you know, people have different levels of desire. Not everybody wants to have sex every day. Some people do. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but some people don't. Uh, for some people, you know, sex is not an everyday thing or even an every week thing. And uh, that's a topic that we'd probably have to pick up uh, in a different episode as well to talk a little more uh, in-depth about sexual intimacy and why we counselors consider sexual intimacy as a barometer of the health of a relationship. It's, it's not because we, you know, we have purient interest in hearing what people do in bed. Uh, we don't. And, and uh, you know, in most cases, after you listen to a few thousand, you know, couples, uh, you, you figure out everybody's pretty much doing the same thing. So uh, it's really not about that. Uh, it's about the intimate aspects or how sexuality promotes these other intimacies, really. Uh, and then, uh, like I said, if, if all four of these are, are uh, attended to on a regular basis in a healthy way, it will result in a feeling of spiritual bonding or being a soulmate with your partner with great, great trust. And along with that, you know, when you get to this depth level of human intimacy, there's going to be difficulty. Thus, our next intimacy, difficult intimacy. Yeah, 
uh, we call it that for a reason because it's difficult. Difficult intimacy is it's more like a structure that a that a couple creates on how they choose to work on or resolve emotional conflicts. Yeah, the stuff that you usually argue about that usually gets out of hand. You know, the stuff that you keep arguing over and over about never seems to find solution in emotional reactivity. Well, that's what difficult intimacy is about. You create a structure where it becomes safe for both people to share what's on their mind and what the problem is. And share in such a way, you have a structure that helps you share it in such a way that uh, hopefully, you know, the other person doesn't get bent out of shape, so to speak, and you don't get bent out of shape. So it's a set of rules that you both agree to on how you're going to talk about things that could get out of hand. And when you can achieve that type of intimacy, you have a much, much better chance of solving whatever it is that is the problem. That's not a guarantee it'll get solved, but a much better chance to get it solved. I've come to believe that human beings absolutely need these six intimacies in order to feel secure, serene, and satisfied in life. Uh, all need to be attended to one way or the other. If one is unbalanced, it unbalances all of them. Now, you might ask, well, Bill, what about celibate people? What about vowed people, religious people who are celibate? Uh, celibate people still need intimacy. Uh, and the ones that, that are very, very healthy that I've spoken to, uh, they talk about you know, uh, how they cope with uh, making the choice of not being actively uh, sexual. Um, or genital, genitally sexual, anyhow. Um, and, and what they tell me is basically that they rely on the other intimacies in their life to kind of compensate for the fact that they've chosen not to, to be active sexually. It's an interesting topic, and, uh, but not one that I'm going to go into here, right? But now we have to also accept, you know, not all intimacy is positive or pleasant. You know, there's things like delivering a baby <laughs> or sitting at the bedside of a loved one who's dying. Those aren't, those are very intimate experiences, but they're not very positive, are they? Yeah. So we recognize that not all intimacy is positive, but these six positive intimacies are really necessary to help people feel whole and uh, to feel like they're in a healthy, loving relationship, you know? You know, intimacy is so important because we're human beings. We need intimacy. It's a form, intimacy is a form of dynamic communication. You know, if you remember a previous episode I did on content process and dynamic and communication. Dynamic is the, is the action, you know, of, of communication. And uh, intimacy communicates so many important pieces of information about love, care, affection, you know, all kinds of things like that. Intimacy is how we form trust with others. And trust is a foundational tool for community well-being and then for individual well-being, not to mention human bonding. Trust is a result of intimacy that is attended to properly. You don't trust and then have the intimacy. You have the intimacy and then you gain trust from that. But, you know, intimacy is really fragile. Uh, because of the close relationship between trust and, and intimacy, um, the trust can be very fragile. 
So intimacy, by extension, can be very fragile. Intimacy becomes brittle without the proper care and nourishment. And when people get distracted by their anxieties and depressions, uh, read addictions perhaps, they tend to stop attending to healthy intimacy. So it's pretty easy for intimacy to fail or not be worked on. Why do people ignore it? You know, why do they ignore intimacy work? First of all, I think people aren't taught the fundamentals of healthy adult paired relationship. There, there are lots of myths out there, you know. Our love will carry us through, or, or we're together forever, or I met my soulmate, which I referred to before. Or the biggest reason, emotional reactivity takes its toxic toll. So intimacy work, yeah. It means we have to be very intentional to put our attention, our positive attention, on working on intimacy. We have to plan intimacy. We have to make it into a habit. We have to share the load of working on intimacy. Everyone needs to do their part. And as I said, you know, the first three every day, three times a day, intellectual, emotional, and physical. Yeah, that's a daily date, as I call it. Yeah. Then once a week, an out-of-the-house date, just the two of you, no one else and work on the six intimacies. Then once a month, right? Uh, once a month, go on a bigger date. Go on a bigger date. Spend, spend a few hours together. Not especially spending a lot of money, you know. Uh, it's more about spending time engaging in these six intimacies. And then I recommend for, for couples uh, to, to consider a yearly retreat with each other. Just the two of you hopefully somewhere remote where there's not a lot of entertainment or distraction, and spend that time working on the six intimacies together. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, I, I wrote a book about this. <laughs> it's called Growing Couple Intimacy. You can find it on Amazon. It's a workbook. Uh, yeah, you get to decide whether it's a scary workbook or a fun workbook. I think it's a pretty good workbook. Uh, it helps uh, couples go through the six intimacies uh, um, one at a time with some exercises and some fun little activities uh, to help build their intimacy together. Growing couple intimacy, that's why I called it that. Uh, so say, next time I'll be giving you some more good stuff, this time on the six autonomies that serve to balance the intense intimacy we talked about today. Thanks for listening today. Hope you got some valuable ideas on how not to just maintain your relationship, but ideas on how to enrich your relationship with your beloved. You can catch me on YouTube. Uh, my channel is called Gentle Counseling. You can catch me on my webpage, which is gentling.org, or you can see lots of my resources and, and my, uh, my ugly mug and video t videos and audios uh, on my Facebook page called Gentling. Bye now.